What's up and welcome to Living the Damn Dream. I'm one of your hosts, Mike. And I'm your other host, Sarah. And guys, you have no idea the lengths we went through to get this episode out to you guys. I'm recording from my girlfriend's apartment. Sarah is like driving to Connecticut in the half hour or something, but it's it's summer. I have a cold. I'm back from vacation. Sarah's finding some time amid her crazy schedule. Hopefully you guys enjoy this. But um, Sarah, it's a special episode because we actually have a very unique guest. We have our first guest in a while. And yes, a one of a kind guest because... She is a regular Living the Damn Dream listener, and she reached out to us asking to be on the podcast after being inspired by us. Um, her name is Ashley Oaken. She is an aspiring secondary English teacher turned entertainment writer who just wrote her first piece for the New York Times. She's been published in the Daily Beast and Allure, and she is making her dreams a reality because of this podcast. I don't know if that's true, but I like to take credit for all of her dreams becoming a reality. And I'm really, really excited to meet her and get to hear a little bit more of her story. So without further ado, let's meet Miss Ashley. Ashley, welcome to the show. What's going on? Hey, I'm so glad to be here. I'm good. I'm good. Now, are you legitimately or have you been a listener of the podcast or did you just make that up to like butter us up to get you on the show? That was, that's <laughs> my first hard to butter people up. No, no. <laughs> I've listened. I'm not like an avid listener, but I will am I. the show to butter you up a little more. <laughs> How did you even find out about us? Um, one of my acquaintances on IG, Neha Joy, you guys know her. Oh yeah. We was love on the podcast and I thought that was really cool. So I was like, Oh, <laughs> you know, it was honest. <laughs> I love that. So we know a little bit about you, you know, in terms of the fact that you sort of use the pandemic as an opportunity to dive into your dreams. So tell us a little bit about the before versus the journey during the pandemic and now where you're sort of at now. So with journalism, as everybody knows, it's hard to get into. And I was like trying to break in anywhere I could. And I just was doing everything like sports journalism. And I figured, oh, I'm a Mets fan. I can just like do this forever. No, <laughs> I just didn't like it that much. Um, I went into like production. I did like a million things. just wasn't finding my niche. And then um, Cosmopolitan needed a freelancer for the entertainment section. And I was like, okay, mostly because you didn't have a political opening first, because I was really wanting to be like a hard news, like serious person. And I'm not like that normally. So I'm like, why the fuck would I want to do that for? <laughs> Let me just like switch over. Um, so I wrote a couple of articles for them. And then I pitched to MTV a little bit later after that. And things just started rolling from there. <laughs> um, I recently published my first article of New York Times, which was like a huge career highlight for me. Congratulations. Thanks. And yeah, things have just been really good <laughs> since. That's so exciting. So so you were a teacher and then you sort of made the leap to this or what was that? What was the teacher aspect that sort of came into all of this? I was studying to do that in grad school. Got it. And it was something I always wanted to do. But then maybe in my uh, sophomore year of college, I took a journalism class and I really loved that. But my parents and my whole family was like, I want you to do something stable. You should like really stick with this teacher thing. Eventually I was like, 
eh, <laughs> I'm not really into it anymore. She was just wanted to switch to journalism full time. And I was just trying to find out how to do that. But teaching is, I guess, like a backup plan in case it didn't work out. And so far it is. So I don't have to go back. Well, that's something that we've covered on this show uh, specifically in the past is how the people in your life, friends, family, maybe will steer you away from the kind of careers that we talk about or that we focus on because of that stability or they want that nine to five for you or whatever. Was there any difficulty and how did you navigate that? Like telling people in your life, like, no, I want to follow this passion of mine. And, and how did you actually go about doing that? My dad is pretty chill with everything I do. So it wasn't him. It was like my mom and her side of the family. They're from Trinidad. So they came here and, you know, worked their way up. And they were just very much about if it's not, if you're not like <laughs> President Obama, like a nurse, a <laughs> lawyer, they're like, this isn't legit. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's so great that you were able to, I mean, take the leap of faith and that you are making it happen. So, I mean, I think it's really inspiring to all of our listeners, anyone obviously who is coming back to this podcast is either in this field um, or just, you know, getting inspired or entertained by the anecdotes. So I think it's the perfect opportunity to dive into the damn dozen and find out a little bit more about you through that. Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> All right, let's do this. I'm going to kick it off with the career-based stuff. So first we want to know, what has been your favorite job to date? Maybe for you that looks like an article or a piece that you wrote, um, but if you need to sort of change up that language to fit sort of your career path, what, what, what would you say your favorite opportunity has been to date? Um, definitely interviewing Amy Lee at Evernessence for Metal Hammer, which is a UK-based rock magazine out there. I just love talking to her. She knew a lot about music and like, it's been a dream since seventh grade <laughs> to even have like 10 minutes with her. So that was really cool. <laughs> Getting to talk to one of your idols. I mean, I feel like my... It's what? risky because sometimes that can backfire. Yeah. You never want to meet your heroes, that old cliche, right? But sometimes it's actually a really cool experience. It's that they are worth that idolatry. You've done that, right, Mike? Have you talked to someone that has been someone that you've truly respected? Oh, yeah. Where did yeah. it begin? I mean, I'm about to flex hard now, but I mean, the late Alex Trebek, um, the late Regis Philbin, uh, LeBron James, uh, Vanna White, like all these people that Paul Rudd, like some of whom... I, the other one I just mentioned was amazing. There are some people I'm not going to name because we're not going to be dirty laundry here, but they can be a little standoffish or a little bit fake, not what you expected. But so it, it's a mixed bag. Yeah. I mean, it's just really cool being able to see, I think, people as fellow humans, right? And getting to dive into them yeah. that way. So on the flip side of it, what has been your worst sort of horror story in either, let's say, turning in an assignment and getting like terrible feedback, maybe doing a pitch, someone that you worked with, something on the job that has really not gone the way that you planned. Oh gosh, I have like multiple stories about that. But we love those. One, I'm not gonna drop names, <laughs> I'm gonna be nice about it. But um, there was a story I was doing for Ebony when I was first writing for them and the editing process was just awful. 
in that the person I was working with didn't really want to edit like at all so they sort of left it up to me and I was like I don't do this normally I don't know what to take out I don't know what to leave in yeah because if you're gonna if you're gonna edit it you would just not have written it in the first place like you're gonna take something out right <laughs> right <laughs> oh my gosh I it is interesting when we have to take on and you know again Mike and I have talked about this a lot of times when we have to take on all of these sort of like additional hats that you know, aren't necessarily traditionally a part of the job description, but have become that. Um, so what did you learn about? Like, what did you end up doing? How did it turn out? Oh, it turned out fine, but it's mostly because I worked on it for like three plus hours oh, <laughs> like, by geez. myself. I just turned it in. That's, uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I get it. Anything that you end up, and Mike, again, you and I have talked about sort of the times where we've like had to improvise auditions, like an and answer, let me even like a series of questions. And then if you don't write a script and then you're just doing it over and over again, and then trying to get it under a certain amount of time, like these things can end up taking hours and you just sort of fall into like the black hole that is um, <laughs> the creative process and something that should have taken maybe like an hour tops um what made you choose this for a career what how did you end up what inspired you to become a journalist to be a writer i just loved writing a whole lot i love talking to people about their art and sort of figuring out like what makes them want to do it um, yeah yeah something i've just always loved and I feel like it's always a good thing to pursue what you love if you you know have the resources and the time because you only have one life to live you know might as well just see whether you can do it or not was there a point where you were like 100 this is what i'm doing um yeah definitely when i published my first big story with um lacy strum of flyleaf used to be the lead singer for them but that was just really cool because again like one of like my idols from like seventh grade I used to listen to like a lot of that and I wasn't really into Christian rock but that was different <laughs> for me yeah. um a lot of questions were answered about like why the brand had broken up so it was for other reasons it was really for like financial reasons and other stuff yeah I just thought that was really fun and I figured hmm, this is something I could do long term that's awesome. It's uh, always nice to get that moment of realization where you think, oh, I think I love doing this. And then you actually do it. And a lot of people realize, oh, I don't like being on camera as much as I thought I would, or I don't love acting, but to actually get that validation for yourself, nothing better than that. What was that moment for you guys? Oh, look at the journalist flipping <laughs> it on us coming on our show here. Uh, Sarah, you want to go first? Yeah, I definitely know that moment. I've probably talked about it on here before. So apologies to listeners if this is redundant. <laughs> um, but it was for me, it was when I, um, I was on Broadway. Um, it was when I was 16, 17 years old, junior in high school. And um, that moment sort of when, you know, my high school was the first one to get the, not the first, but among the first to get the rights to do Les Mis. Um, I was selected to audition for this sort of finale performance that would take place um, on the Broadway stage before Les Mis were to close. Um, and I was selected and like being, I think that was, it was the thing that gave me the boost of confidence. I was kind of going back and forth actually between being a journalist mm -hmm. and um, 
and being a, a performer. And I didn't know if I could do it. And, you know, people were chirping in my ear that um, it's, it's a hard, it's a hard knock life, like to be a performer. <laughs> and, you know, it might not be, even though I was like, you know, the star of all the shows in my high school, there are so many girls that are the stars of their high school shows and then they go to the big apple and it's like a whole slew of people mm. and it's really hard to make it and so i was like i don't know if that's what i want and i'd always gotten good grades and i had been accepted to some really great programs where i was getting scholarships for non-acting related pursuits mm. and so i think when i got selected for to perform on broadway i was like okay this is a vote of confidence that like you are talented enough if you want to take the it's not you know it's not going to say that you're secure in your career that it's going to be easy but like this is someone else sort of like offering you that affirmation maybe that you need that you're you can try like go ahead and, and give it a shot if this is what you want and then of course like being there and the energy i got from like performing which has always just been magic to me the stage like i mean i was like i i have to try like if i don't try i will regret not trying so certainly like by, that was that was a moment for me how about you mike uh first time i was published so when i was younger i thought i was going to be getting into journalism on the written side so kind of like you ashley and you know doing tv or, or video or radio was sort of a, a pipe dream but I'd done the high school newspaper and all that kind of stuff that as long as you show up to the after school meetings, you're going to get published, right? There's not really a talent barrier to entry there, but I thought I had talent and I went to the actual local newspaper, shout out the home news tribune, um, East Brunswick, New Jersey, which was like a legit daily owned by Gannett, the you know biggest newspaper publisher in, in America. And they had like a teen section that came out once a week. And it was all local teenagers that would write for that. And that you had to audition and apply for and have a real adult editor and stuff. And I was published there for the first time. And they liked it so much that they gave me a weekly column. And the first time that I saw at the local convenience store like my picture and byline right there where people were buying like the newspaper for the morning I thought this is amazing and that just got me hooked and I knew at that point that the the storytelling I wanted to do was was the thing I wanted to do how I've done that has obviously changed over the years and there's lots of aha moments for all the different mediums that I've worked in but um yeah just knowing that I wanted to say things to the world and get super excited that people wanted to hear it uh, happened then when I was like, yeah, 15, 16. So um, shout out the Home News Tribune and my old editor, Bill Canacci, if he's listening. Appreciate you, bro. Yeah. Shout out gonna... to my English teacher too, Mrs. Spice. She was the one too that was like, you got to do it. You got to just do it. So like teachers really have an impact and you're a teacher. So there you are. You know, just, yeah, just supportive adults in general who don't yeah. tell kids like you can't do this. You're a kid like that's we need people like that in the world. Um, Sarah, get us back on track because Ashley's going to start interviewing us now. I know I how this works, know. so she's going to hijack this thing. You we and I take could talk forever. So <laughs> let's take teaching off the table. Let's take writing off the table. If you weren't either of those things, what would you be doing for a living? See, I never really thought about that because I always thought it was going to be writing. But it's so funny. I always thought about being a chef, yet I can't cook anything. <laughs> I can relate to that because I watch like Hell's Kitchen every week and I see Gordon Ramsay yelling at these people. I'm like, I, I want to do this, but I can't 
make anything more than peanut butter and jelly. I mean, Mike, you're not giving yourself enough credit. You tried to cook octopus during the pandemic. Yeah, and I tried to cook it in 10 minutes when not realizing that's an hour and a half uh, process and it was terrible. So <laughs> I try, but I fail. I, I still think that's hilarious that like the first thing that you decided that yeah, you're like going to cook with is an octopus. Right to the top, yeah. <laughs> um, ha is there a dish that you can make, Ashley? Oh gosh. Um, I'm really good at making grilled cheese. There's that. Okay. <laughs> you could open a grilled cheese restaurant. That is a thing. Comfort That's food. Very popping right now. on grilled cheese. You know, throw some bacon, throw some red onion marmalade. Throw some mac and cheese in there too. Just like make it into a sandwich. Absolutely. <laughs> I think there is success waiting for you. Should none of this other stuff work out, you've got yourself a deal. Okay. Next, I want to know, and now we're going to take your mac and cheese, grilled cheese <laughs> off the table. What's your best unknown skill? Something that would surprise all of us. Oh my gosh. Okay. So like, I, hmm. Do you speak another <laughs> language? Can you do some weird, crazy thing with your joints? um do you see oh gosh no i've never been miles. flexible in my life <laughs> i can't dance like singing i'm horrible like I, we have a saying in my family which is like none of us okins can sing like like we're just not made for that gosh i really don't have one and i think i should just find out what it is now <laughs> like i don't I'm even i'm trying know. to think of what else um would surprise okay <laughs> I'm trying to- I'm, I'm like a Meg on Family Guy. Like she doesn't have one either. I feel like we're living the same life. Yeah, I mean, you can come back to it. If something pops into your head, come but if not, to then you gotta be on a mission to find something. Yeah, here. absolutely. And you'll have to write in and then we'll tell it on the podcast. But you know, even like a secret wealth of knowledge, like let's say you can quote every single line from friends. I don't know, like maybe something like that. Um, yeah, you'll have to think on that and get back to us. We won't put you on the spot for now. But <laughs> the final thing that we want to know in the serious career part is, you know, what is your biggest piece of advice for someone wanting to follow in your footsteps? Again, you know, we have hopefully, you know, a wealth of listeners who are on this sort of creative journey and maybe hearing your story and the fact that you've taken this leap of faith and made it happen um, will sort of inspire them. So what would you tell them? What, what do you think is the biggest thing that they can do for themselves? To just go for it and don't be afraid to follow your dreams. I mean, when I was first starting out, I would take the rejection of some of my pitches so personally, because I was like, oh, that means I'm like a shit writer. I'm just not meant for this, but that's not true. Like when somebody says no, it doesn't mean never. It just means not now. Even like with pitching, sometimes you may have to refine it a little bit. Sometimes somebody's um, work doesn't really line up for when you're pitching it. So you have to wait until later, like never take no for an answer. Just keep going for it. That's what I would say. I think that's great. I love that it's not never, it's just not now. Or again, like just remembering that that could mean that the door needs to stay open for another opportunity or life lesson. Um, and absolutely, I would say the only, you know, I started out at NYU in this drama program with a ton of people around me and the people who have stuck it out are doing it. Like they're doing it. And anyone that's decided it's not for them, like are the ones who left. But I mean, 
I see all of my classmates who were persistent, like achieving some level of success. They are doing the thing that they love, which is really, really cool. So you can make it happen if there's something that you're passionate about, you know, don't stop believing. We can't afford the song rights, Sarah. You gotta <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mike, I'm handing look, it over I, to you. Yeah. I, I do always like the caveat that I, you know, I, I give a lot of the young hosts that I coach, you know, resources, life circumstances always get in the way. Yeah. This is a hard thing to do. If you got a family to support and trying to struggle in this business, isn't going to make it happen. But mm -hmm. I agree with you, Sarah, those that have been able to stick with it in my industry too, perseverance is sometimes the best skill you can have. And I think all three of us here uh, talking are, are proof of that. Um, Ashley, by the way, confirm for me, you don't have a Twitter account, right? Nope. I think that's your best secret skill is being able to avoid Twitter. Uh, <laughs> as a writer too. As a writer. That's really impressive and probably better for your mental health than the rest of us. That's why I avoid it. <laughs> <laughs> Smart woman. Um, all right. Now it's time for the second half of the damn dozen, the fun half, uh, quote unquote fun. Hopefully it's fun. I hope you enjoy it. Cause we always <laughs> enjoy it. Um, first one, Ashley. Who would play you in the movie of your life? Oh my gosh. Everybody has said I look like Zoe Saldana. <laughs> so I guess <laughs> I would pick her. And she's not a bad actress. That's a good no. person to pick. I'd be very flattered if, that, if I had that caliber of a person in mind. That's great. Um, who was your first celebrity crush? Oh gosh. Um, JC Chazé from NSYNC for sure. <laughs> that's how we know you're a listener because that's our number one most popular answer of all time i think have you heard that on this show before i have and okay the good. Is, but the thing is i wasn't you know what i didn't want to pick everybody else and go for justin so i was like you know what i'm gonna go for the one with the better voice sorry justin timberlake but it was always jc chazay for me I think there, there's got to be like a think piece somewhere where I think more people, so many people thought that, because I thought the same thing too, like, oh, JC's the cooler one because everyone loves Justin, but JC can sing better. I think he's got a cooler look, uh, better vibes. And I, I bet more people like JC than Justin because they were trying to be different and cool and it ended up kind of being the opposite, but Justin still had the better career. So it was like a weird. Right. I See, know. I could talk about that all day. I think that's my talent. <laughs> Just knowing everything about 90s boy bands. There you go. And also clearly, have you written a piece on this yet? Because this might need, need to be your next assignment. I am really going to, like, I'm going to try to do that for yeah. sure. I want to see a think piece on this by the end of the summer, please, uh, <laughs> as, as a request of the show. Um, all right. Damn dozen question number. What are we on? Eight, I guess. Nine. Um, what's the worst fashion trend you've ever participated in? Bell bottom jeans. Which are coming back. <laughs> and it's so funny that this happens. Like, I do hate, I, I don't like things. And then when I start to see them in mass, like, I start to like them. For example, scrunchies, hated them. Now, wear scrunchies all the time. Bell bottoms, think I used to hate them. Now I see them like, mm, they're pretty cute. Like, and I gossip, I like talk shit about some of these things too. I'm like, never. And then, you know, like, a couple months later after I'm seeing it everywhere on social media and in the magazines and on the shows and I'm just I'm one of them I'm a sheep Ashley are you gonna go back to bell bottoms or you've sworn them off now for life or are you like Sarah you're gonna give in to societal fashion trends 
I'm probably gonna give in a societal fashion dress. I see all these kids on TikTok and I'm like, I wanna be cool. Yes, uh, they make them look good. I'm like, okay, I need to try that out again. And then I love it. That's the one thing I think about trends coming back that maybe we regretted is that with knowledge, we know how to make them better, right? Like early 90s colors, everything aqua and teal was kind of tacky back then, but now it's it's been made trendy. So I think bell bottoms could be the same thing. Next question. And we're coming down here to the last three, Ashley. Who's your favorite Disney character? Oh, it was always between Belle and Ariel. I can never really choose which one. I think I'm I'm split between those two as well. They are definitely bomb. And for me, it was because I would sing all of their songs. Like they had the best songs, uh, I think. Um, and now they're making live action Snow White. Did you guys see that? Uh, they're making live action everything Disney now. Just take every cartoon. The newest, the newest person like just cast, I guess, in a live action Disney I saw was the Snow White that's happening. Um, so I'm excited about that. But I don't know any Snow White songs. Right. That's true. I was trying to think of which other like Disney princesses, quote unquote, got that many songs, but no one, no one has the Belle and Ariel discography. They can't match them. If there was a versus battle, it would just be the two of them and nobody else. I don't think. I mean, Jasmine might be able to compete a little bit. There's definitely some stuff from Aladdin. Um, and if we were going to go, we could go, no, see Lion King music is great, but like Nala in terms of a princess having songs, not really. So yeah, if we're going music, it's it's definitely Belle and Ariel. So I'm and with Be you. Belle, I think, would make a good journalist too. All the books she reads. You have to be a good reader to be a good writer. So it all comes full circle. Um, Ashley, question number 11. Maybe NSYNC is the answer. What's the first <laughs> CD you ever bought? Actually, it wasn't that. It was a Marshall Mathers LP. Eminem's oh. album. And my mom yeah. got me the one without the curses in it because she was like, I don't want you listening to like this trash. <laughs> I was going to ask, because when I was that age buying, like I remember No Way Out, the Puff Daddy and the Family album, I had yeah. to buy that on my own, like secret from my parents, because they would have never let me have, you know, the cursing uh, in the house. So you, had to, you got permission, but it was the radio edit version. Right. My dad eventually got me the one without it, <laughs> like later on. What a rite of passion. Sarah, were you ever sneaking uh, illicit lyric material into your home as a teenager? Okay, so I think, again, talked about this before, but my parents bought so many CDs because they like loved, they, they loved having a CD collection and listening to music all the time. So my dad every once in a while would treat me and give me like the catalog and be like, you can pick, I don't know, 10 albums for like a dollar. I forget how, how much it was, but it was something crazy like that. And like, they wouldn't even know, like, and I honestly, I don't think I would know. I just was ordering like what the cool kids are listening to. So like, <laughs> I would order like, yeah, Usher and Mace and Puff Daddy. And like, I don't even think I liked it at the time, if I'm being completely honest. I just like wanted those albums so I could say that I had them. And I don't, I think my parents were totally clueless that I was ordering anything that had, you know, problematic language <laughs> in it. And like the stuff that I really wanted to listen to was also in there, like Spice Girls and Britney and Christina, you know, like all that stuff was mixed in there. And that was the stuff I actually was listening to. I remember those old Columbia House uh, mailers. You'd get a hundred CDs for That's a penny. So when you get that many things, just sneak it all in there. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. 
All right, Ashley, we've reached the end of the damn dozen. It's question number 12. This is the most revealing question of all. What's in your fridge right now? So much PBJ, spicy mayo that I put on everything. Okay. <laughs> you buy spicy mayo or do you make it? Oh, I just buy it from Heinz, even though I really should make it for one to be a chef. Oh, yes. <laughs> I should definitely learn. Spicy mayo, grilled cheese, mac and cheese coming right know. up. Right? I made spicy mayo. Is it like chipotle mayo or is it like? It's like sriracha and mayo like mixed together. Um, I love spicy mayo. I'm going to need some of that in my fridge. <laughs> what else, Ashley? Eggs, just for like omelets. Okay, she can make an omelet. She's a chef. <laughs> orange juice. An orange juice girl. I mean, <laughs> you've got a fuller fridge than me. At this point, I don't have very much in my fridge. How are you doing on your fridge, Mike? Terribly. I just came back from a week in Europe. And whenever I go on vacation, I always make sure to eat everything in my fridge before I go so it doesn't <laughs> rot. But then when I come back, all I have is a half full Brita filter and like half a jar of jelly for the peanut butter I don't have. So shopping is a necessity uh, like today. Yeah, I'm with you on that. So, all right. I guess you have us beat there. And <laughs> not proudly. Like, <laughs> like a wide variety of condiments primarily, which is great. <laughs> Ashley, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for reaching out. And um, I'm sure our listeners loved hearing an actual bonafide listener on here. Can you tell everyone where they can find you? Sure. I'm on Instagram. I'm the millionth Ashley, you know, because my name is so common. <laughs> At least you're having fun with it with a, with a unique handle. I love that. Up with six other Ashleys in my neighborhood. So it wasn't just me. So I was like, oh, I should like publicize this part of my life for no reason. <laughs> and can, where can people check out, you know, your New York Times article or anything like that? Is it, are any of these things out right now? Yeah. I'm a New York Times articles on the website, on the um, arts and leisure section. I really have to make like my own website because I write so many things for so many different people. It's all over the place. I just have to be more organized about that. But like, just type get in my name. A, on the get yourself a portfolio. You got to send people to the Ashley headquarters. Absolutely. Right. Okay. But type in your name, type in Ashley Oaken, and you can find anything that you want from Ashley on the internet. It's a great place to be. Uh, <laughs> Ashley, thanks again so much for coming on. It's been such a treat. Thank you for having me on. I had so much fun with the damn dozen. That was really cool. <laughs> Glad you enjoyed it. Thanks, Ashley. You're welcome. So that was great hearing from Ashley. I mean, that was something, right, Sarah, when we first started this show over a year and a half ago was we were hoping to not just give people that background of what this industry is like, you know, creative content creation, but hopefully inspire people. And we've gotten feedback from listeners about, oh, I'm, I'm hoping to start a show or I'm hoping to, you know, start writing. And it's just really cool to see someone that actually used the pandemic and that time to really change their life. It was su super inspiring. You know, and I think also it was another perspective that we don't get so much. Obviously, you and I have talked about being on camera talent a lot of times also does mean that you're wearing other hats, like writing your own material and such. But to have someone who is more exclusively sort of behind the camera doing another creative pursuit. That was really cool to have heard that we're able to help, you know, not just, again, those on 
camera personalities, but other people as well. So such a treat. And if we have any other listeners out there who are getting inspired by the podcast and, you know, on their own sort of journeys, definitely reach out, let us know, even if you don't want to be a guest on the podcast and you've been inspired by something that we've said, we really, really love hearing from you. So please tweet us, please DM us, whatever it takes to give us a little feedback and let us know that we're not just screaming into the void. We certainly <laughs> appreciate that, especially when Mike is losing his voice and not. Oh my gosh. So I, yeah, I mean, I went, so the last week's episode, uh, we had pre-taped it cause I was in Europe. If you were following me on social and it was five countries in five days and just a lot of partying and drinking with my family, then coming right back to America and going right to work and it just too, too much. I still I have my look, sense of smell. I, I, I'm not having any fever or chills. So I don't think it's COVID. I think it's just a cold in the summer, which sucks, but we're powering through. Mike, I mean, you look great, but you also do look tired. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna let everyone know I can see him. And he looks like he's working in many, many Mets games and that he's also entertaining family and travel. Yeah. I need, I need one of those days where I can just sleep for 11 hours and just take a NyQuil before and wake up refreshed. It's coming soon, one of these days. Living the damn dream, indeed. Um, all right, Sarah, you got some uh, casting calls of the week before we hit the road? I got one, and this one was on Backstage. It's Million Dollar Townhouse video. Um, and this is just to show that a lot of what you see on television is fake. And I'm sure some of you already knew this, probably what? most of you. But this says, casting talent to portray realtors navigating low inventory markets, hosted by New York City broker Ryan Serhant. I don't know. How do you say his name? Do you watch Million Dollar Listing? Nope. Never seen an episode. Okay. Me neither. So, but he's the guy for Million Dollar Listing. I, I'm going to go with Ryan Serhant. Um, but basically, a millionaire townhouse buyer gets advice from Ryan on what to expect when entering a low inventory housing market as a buyer. The buyer will also get talked through a financial checklist with Ryan must have experience with improv. So I'm just saying y'all, these people on some of these reality shows, these situations, they're staged, they're casting them from backstage. Um, they're casting here a million, a millionaire real estate client of Ryan's, the millionaire real estate client of Ryan's husband, a millionaire real estate client of Ryan's wife, um, and more, all of the clients are literally being cast here. Um, the rates are between one and $300 a day to play his clients. Play a millionaire. So, yeah. So I wonder, I wonder, um, if he has any real clients or if he's just got paid clients. That, you know, I'm glad we solved this mystery because I've thought about these shows. I never, I haven't watched this particular one, but I see it when I scroll through my channel listing and I'm like, how many millionaires are there possibly in Manhattan? that there's enough to cast 20 episodes of the show every season, year after year. And now I know it's because they don't, they get people like you and me to do it, pretend we're millionaires for a hundred bucks. Yep, so if anyone wants to play a millionaire and be on a reality show, this is your chance. Check out Backstage, it's right over there. Do you got that one for us today? Uh, I do, it's also reality based, but this one I think is real. Uh, Temptation Island, um, I think we've talked about this before, but I don't know if you've seen this, Sarah, they are posting daily on all of these job sites looking for couples, but now also looking for singles to go on the show. So if you're not familiar with Temptation Island, it's basically uh, four couples or five couples, I forget how many, that are at like a crossroads in their relationship, go to Hawaii, they're separated for a month, and then flooded with singles of the opposite sex that are there to tempt them into figuring out if they want to stay in their relationship or leave their relationship. 
And, you know, it, it's great drama and theater, but they must be desperate for people for the next season because every single day when I look for other gigs, all I'm seeing is Temptation Island couples, Temptation Island singles, and it's a new posting. And these postings a lot of times cost money. So USA Network must really be just pushing to get more and more people. So if you're in a relationship that you want to put to the test, or maybe you have a secret agreement with your partner that you just want a free trip to Hawaii, and you think that you're not going to lose them to this island of sexy singles, um, just Google Temptation Island casting, or you can apply as one of the singles who is, whose mission is to a break temptress. up these relationships. You're a temptress. You are the temptress. You're the tempter or the temptress. Exactly. So if you think that's more your style, that's available too. So they pay you for being there. I don't know how much, but you get a stipend. I think it's like a hundred bucks a day to be in Hawaii and just drink and party all day. I mean, if I wasn't, you know, happily committed, uh, I would definitely go for it but hopefully someone listening does because they are they're thirsty uh for my people. friend did it last season his name's thomas i've actually shot some sketches with him no way um, yeah so he i don't know i didn't watch it but i do know his he got some followers out of it he was posting about it so you know was he a single or in a couple he was in a couple he was in a couple yeah i watched this season i'm was it tom and chelsea that couple yeah yeah. Oh my gosh, Sarah, I didn't know you knew Temptation Island Tom. <laughs> That's incredible. So, yeah. So I don't know what happened there, but he was in it. He was posting and... Uh, well, their relationship ended is what happened, but... There you go. There <laughs> you go. But I you think... Get, you gain some followers, but you lose, you lose a partner. It's there a trip, fair trade so, for some people. That sounds good to any of you. Go check it out. In the meantime, uh, that's a wrap for us today. So inspired by Ashley. So a big shout out to her again for reaching out and coming on here and for hopefully inspiring all of us to keep living the damn 